0: We're still in John 3, okay? If you don't know where we're at, we're still in John 3. Oh, she got my verses up there. Oh, man, look at that. We're in John chapter 3, and we're going to be talking about... Last week, we talked about several things. I want to just go over those real quick. Last week, we discussed what the the term born again means. Ganeo, ethano, born from above. Uh, we discussed its connection to the theology that we see in John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. And if you don't remember what John verse 1, 12 and 13 says, I'm going to go back and read it to you just, just so you can have it in your memory bank. Uh, John 1, 12 and 13 says this, "But all, But to all who did receive him, Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. And we saw last week that the term born again is absolutely connected to John's idea that anybody born again is not born again of their own doing, they are born again of God's doing. Amen. They're not born of uh, uh, they're not born of God by their ancestry being a Jew. They're not born of God because of their good works or their will of the flesh. They're born again by the will of God. Amen. Uh, so, to this week, we're gonna focus. On Nicodemus But last week we concluded That being born again Is a prerequisite To seeing the kingdom of God Nicodemus said We know that thou are a teacher Come from God And Jesus looked right at him And he said you don't know What you think you know Because no one can see the kingdom of God Unless They're born again Meaning that I have to be born again to even see the kingdom of God. Why? Because the natural man does not comprehend the things of God, nor can it. Amen? The natural man, the flesh, doesn't get it. It doesn't understand it without God's help. Amen? If we could just do it on our own, then Christ wouldn't have to come. Amen? There was a need there. What was the need? The need was that I was trapped in sin so much that I couldn't even see God. I was trapped in sin so much that I couldn't even get to God. God had to get to me. Amen? Isn't that grace? Isn't that the born again experience? Born again experience isn't, oh, look at me, I'm so great. I got up here and I got to God. No, that's not Christianity. That's every other religion on the face of the planet where you work your way to God. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Christianity is God had a plan to get to you. Amen? Amen. So we saw last week we concluded of verse three that Being born again is a prerequisite to not only going into the kingdom of God, but just seeing the kingdom of God. This week we're going to pick right back up at verse 4 and Nicodemus' apparent confusion and his incredulous response to Christ. Okay, because he doesn't just respond politely. It doesn't the, the, the reading of the text isn't just like, you know, how can a man be born again? Can he go a second time into his mother's womb? I can see Nicodemus, like Mike York sometimes, with smoke coming out of his ears, and he's going, what are you talking about? Right? I don't get it. Right? That's more like what's going on, isn't it? And if you look at the words that Nicodemus uses, it's evident. Amen? So we're going to read this from the beginning, and then we're going to stop at verse 10. But I'm going to start at verse 1, just to give you a recap. Everything in context, amen? Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter in a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto you, one uh, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Wow. Wow. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word. We pray, God, that you would help us to hide it in our hearts. That we might not sin against you. Lord, we ask that you would help us to rightly divide your word. Help us to understand it. Give us wisdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I want to start with the obvious, okay? The obvious thing is Nicodemus absolutely does not understand what Jesus is talking about. Right? Like, could you get any more obvious? Jesus is speaking of spiritual things. Nicodemus is thinking of physical things, right? Now, how many of us get caught in that trap? How many preachers do you see on TV who are caught in that trap? The trap is this. The trap is they're so focused on what God's going to do for them right now that they don't realize that the promises they think they're going to get today are actually promises for the world to come. Amen? Now, I want to say that again because there's some some, uh, post-millennial people that are probably going to watch this, and I want them to understand that there is a world to come that is not this world. Jesus said... Store not up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust can eat, right? And thieves can break into steel. But store for yourself what? Treasure in where? Heaven. He didn't say here on earth, did he? He says store up treasure in heaven. Okay, so if my treasure is going to be in heaven, why are you so focused on today, right now, in this world, in this life? Now, I know there's such a thing as being so heavily minded that you know earthly good. But I think we've taken it to the extreme when we think only worldly and never think about the world to come. The problem is if you don't think about the world to come and all your focus is on this life and what you're going to get right now, Jesus said you have your reward. There ain't going to be one for you later. There ain't going to be one for you to get in heaven because you got what you wanted right here, right now. That's why I got such a problem with that whole live your best life now, Joe Osteen stuff, because this ain't my best life, and this isn't going to be the end of where I go, okay? Because I may be poor and destitute naked right now, but one of these days, there's going to be a shout. There's going to be a trumpet of God And the dead in Christ are going to rise And we who are alive and remain Are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air And so shall we ever be with the Lord And there will be no tears in my eye He'll wipe away all my tears There will be no pain No more death No more sin No more hunger Amen Why? Because there's a world that's coming I would have you to note that that is not Old Testament speak. That's New Testament speak. The New Testament's telling you there's a world that's coming. It ain't here yet. It may have got inaugurated, but it ain't here. It may have got started, but it ain't done. It ain't culminated. No Christian theologian would say that all of God's culminated work is done. That's ludicrous. Amen? The culmination is not done. The consummation of God's promises has not been finalized. That's on its way. It ain't here yet. Has it been started? Definitely. Did the kingdom come? Yes. Are we living right now in the kingdom? Yes, I hope you are. My prayer is that you are. But what we read right here, it says, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom. And then he says, unless you're born of water and of the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom. Right now, what we have are a whole lot of people professing Christ that will never enter the kingdom of God. we got a lot of people that say or name the name of Christ, but when it all happens, when the day of the Lord comes, They're going to come to Christ and they're going to be saying those famous words, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do many wonderful works? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do all these wonderful works in your name? Anybody remember what Jesus says in Matthew 7 to them? He says, depart from me. Ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You know what that word iniquity there really means? Lawlessness. Those Christians who think they could prophesy in my name and do all these works in my name, but didn't go on and live their own life the way they want to. How about that? Lawlessness. Christianity is absolutely offered freely. Grace is free. But it is not something that you don't have to die to yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Those are both true statements. They're both said by Christ. Amen. Jesus offers it freely, without cost. Amen. But the problem is, is it once grace comes in, it does cost you. It costs you control of your life. It's no longer you that's in control because you've been bought with a price. It's Christ who's in control. It's God's word who gets to the final say. Amen. I remember talking to somebody one time and they said, I just want you to pray with me, pastor, about my marriage. I want you to watch what I'm saying here, okay? Very carefully listen to what I'm saying. I was told, I want you to pray for my marriage, Pastor, because I just don't know that this is the marriage that God wants for me. You better be careful with that nonsense. That ain't biblical. There ain't nowhere in the Bible where God told somebody, hey, you need to divorce them and go marry them. That's a lie from hell. If you're married, you stay married. That's the biblical mandate. You get married, you stay married. That's the biblical mandate. Amen? God ain't going to give you somebody else's husband or somebody else's wife. That ain't from God. That's not the Holy Spirit talking to you. That is your flesh. That's your own desire. That's you walking in your sinful man. That's it. It ain't from God. God ain't going to send you some spiritual dream about it neither because he wrote it in his word. Huh? Come on. Do we need an angel from heaven to tell us something like that? No. I got a Bible that says, what God has joined together, let no man tear apart. Amen. Come on, somebody. Is the word of God the word of God or isn't it? we got to believe it. Amen? This is where Nicodemus is trapped. Why do we think that? Well, number one, Nicodemus was a Jew. And the Jewish experience is so based on the first birth. What do I mean by that? His experience is, I am an Israelite, born an Israelite deserving of the promises of God, owed the kingdom of God, because I'm an heir of Abraham. I'm a follower of the Torah. I am of God's covenant people. Problem is, Paul said, not everybody who's of Israel is actually of Israel. And there be those people who aren't Israel that are actually part of Israel. What does that mean? That means those who live by faith are counted as Israel. Amen. And those who don't live by faith, even though they are Israel, doesn't mean anything if they don't trust in Christ. Peter stood in the Sanhedrin and said that him, just like we have to receive Christ by faith, These Gentiles have. And God gave them the promise of the Holy Spirit. So who are we to turn away from them? Water baptism. What's he saying right there? A whole mouthful. What he was saying that even him, even him and John, who were preaching to the Sanhedrin at the time, even John and him who are born Israelites who could have stood on their own merit and said, oh, we're part of Abraham's family, they realized that Jesus came and said, you, you must be born again. And that's who Jesus is talking to right here. Not just a leader of the Jews. Nicodemus was the, the teacher of Israel. This is a title. He was the most prominent teacher. In Israel. Who was a Jew. And probably found it very disconcerting. That Jesus would look at him a Jew. Who was born and circumcised. And in covenant with God. But he would look at him and tell him. You. You Nicodemus. Must be born again. Now the the challenging part is. This, Nicodemus probably knew the law better than you. Nicodemus probably followed the law better than you. Nicodemus, for all intents and purposes, may have been much more righteous than you are. And if Nicodemus had to be born again, how much more than me and you? need the grace of God. Amen? If Nicodemus, who was the most learned man of his day, Still, could not comprehend what this born again thing was without the help of God. Nobody else today is going to be able to understand it without God's help either. He had the words. Jesus had an expectation that he should have understood these things. Verse 10, he says, Are you not a teacher of Israel? And you don't know these things. Amen. Matthew Henry sees this as Nicodemus being focused on the natural man because like all Jews, his birth into and as an Israelite is very important to him culturally. But Christ seems to think (laughs) that he should understand these things and that he still sets an expectation on Nicodemus that Nicodemus must be born again. I got a couple notes I want to read. Moving on to verse 5. Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to notice that he first tells him, Unless a man is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Amen. Now he says, Unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Amen? This is a very interesting term, first of all, where he says, unless one is born of water and of the spirit. Now, a lot of people will try to say, well, water means uh, your first birth, your natural birth, and then the spirit means your uh, spiritual birth. That is not really what it's talking about. Nowhere else in the Bible is the word water referred to as some born experience of being born. It's never, it's never, Water and water used in this way is never equated as never in Jewish text as being born. The, the term being born of water is never used anywhere in the Bible to talk about a natural birth. Anyway, So theologically, I cannot make that assumption. OK. Next, some people say, well, it's it just talking about, uh, you know, the, the the water of God's word washing over you. You may be able to make that implication, but that's not what's being said here when we understand the context. OK. Jesus never spoke to anybody, just happenstance okay? And Jesus was out fulfilling scripture, right? He came not to do his own will, but to do the will of him who sent him, right? Nearly everything Jesus did was a fulfillment of scripture, amen? So let's look at a verse that I want to apply this to, okay? Go to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. In my Bible it's page 1439. I don't know if that helps you. We're going to start at verse 24. My servant David shall be king over them and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. They shall dwell in the lands that I gave to my servant Jacob where your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children shall dwell there forever. And David my servant shall be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst. Oh, I'm reading 37, my bad. That's why everybody was like, where's he at? Verse 25 of chapter 36, okay? I was like, man, that sounds good, but that ain't right. I love that the is like you go, yeah. she She's like, whatever, he'll figure it out. Ezekiel 36, 25, okay, 25. We can do 24 also. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Now watch this. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all of your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put within you that heart. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now you see water and spirit. That makes a whole lot more sense than Ezekiel 37, doesn't it? Ezekiel 36 is exactly the reference to Nearly Every commentator you can go look up right now gives you this understanding of water and of the spirit. What's the water and the spirit? The water is the cleansing that God brings with the new birth. And the spirit is what God gives you for the cleansing of the new birth. Amen. Now, how do I get that? Can I get that on my own? Can I? Can I? But how am I going to ask you? Because I'm blind and naked. I don't see the kingdom of God. Neither can I enter the kingdom of God. So I can't enter and I can't see. Jesus is very careful to explain this in the very next verse. Okay? Verse 7 and 8 explain exactly what he means because so many times we think that our righteousness is what's going to get us there or i'm gonna i'm gonna run after god there's no one that ever had the thought i'm gonna go to god without god helping them to see they needed to come to him So what's at stake here is where salvation comes, because there's so many people that put so much stock on their own will to get them there, that it would totally contradict John 1, 12, and 13. For those who believe he gave the right to become children of God, but he said those who are born of what? Not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, nor of the... right? But of the will of God. God is absolutely necessary for God to open your eyes, for you to even come to faith in Christ. Not one person is ever just going to wake up one day on their own, by their own uh, own volition, just go, "Hey, I'm going to wake up today. I woke up and I just want to choose God." It doesn't happen. Look at the world around you. They are evil. In their own eyes, they do all sorts of wickedness. They have no thought of God. They are not running after God. They're not seeking God. And I dare to say that you were not seeking God when God found you. The reality is, to be born again, God has to do something in me. Amen? Nicodemus had every right to feel like he was going to be in heaven. Every right to think that he was heirs to the promise. Why? Because first of all I'm a Jew. Second of all I'm circumcised. Third of all I keep the law of Moses. Right? Fourth of all I'm a teacher of the law of Moses. Amen? Even Nicodemus who was all of those things could not see that he had to be born again. Watch this. We're going to flip back to John. Verse 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Now, I wrote something down here, but I want you to understand, if you go back to Genesis, and if you've been in the study of Genesis like we have, everything reproduces after its own kind. Genesis 1, right? Everything reproduces after its own kind. So your flesh, my flesh, her flesh, his flesh, nobody's flesh is able to produce Spiritual rebirth, not anybody's flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. Amen. Now I'm going to give you an analogy that you can't do anything with, but say, yep, nobody in this room came down and counseled their parents and said, hey, I think y'all ought to get together so I can be born. (laughs) Nobody did that. You can't do that in your spiritual walk. The only people that respond are the people whom God has woken. Everybody else is dead in their trespasses and sin. They're not going to be made alive by their own choice, by their own volition, on their own, without the help of God. Well, Pastor, why are you making such a big deal of this? Because today, in modern-day Christianity, there's so much emphasis put on a choice that God has been taken out of the equation of salvation. God is no longer factored into salvation. It's simply... You just make a choice right now, brother. If I laid a corpse right here, and I just sit there and say, hey, corpse, you got a decision to make. Do you want this glass of Kool-Aid or that glass of Kool-Aid? You know what that corpse is going to pick? Nothing. 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 Now, a lot of people get upset and say, well, what you're saying is that we don't have a choice. No, we do have a choice. There is an absolute choice made by people. Amen? People absolutely, freely, of their own free will, choose Christ and reject Christ. Period. But that doesn't take away from the fact that there is not one person born again without God making the first move. ever. Ever. It don't happen. And to try to take God out of the equation. Like there's just this blanket up in heaven right now. There's just this blanket of salvation. And any old person can grab it whenever they want. The problem with that is. My righteousness will never get me high enough. My natural man will never ascend high enough. My own will will always fall completely short of reaching that. Without God reaching down and grabbing me, it doesn't happen. What they've turned modern-day Christianity, Christianity into is you can save yourself. You don't need Jesus. You just save yourself. You just do it on your own. Just. Just choose. Just choose to do right. You ever told somebody that's just trapped in alcohol? Just do the right thing. Just just stop drinking. Just stop doing that. Just stop it. Problem is they can't. And then drinking feels like the right thing to do. Why? Because they love sin. Jesus said it in John three nineteen. He said... Why is this happening? Because men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds are evil. Men are bent towards hell. Bent towards sin. They do not seek after God. Romans chapter 3. There is none that seeketh after him. There is none. Let's go there. Go to Romans chapter 3 a good point that I want to bring out here because Nicodemus is trapped here thinking that he can get to God by his own work by his own merits Romans 3 verse 10 as it is written none is righteous no not one so when anybody says hey they're a good person no they're not there is none righteous No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. Their throat is an open grave and their tongue is deceitful. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And in their paths are ruin and misery And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, verse 20. For by the works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The law did not save people. Grace saved people even in the Old Testament. Israel sinned time and time again and just ran after Baal and ran after those Asherah poles and ran after all the other gods of the Canaanites and Jebusites all around them, okay? They never stopped and turned around and said, hey, maybe we ought to come back to God. What did God do? He sent disaster. He sent famine. He sent kings that would oppress them. He sent wicked rulers to rule over them. And then finally, all that stuff turned their heart back to him. And I dare say that's exactly what happened to each and every one of you. That you were in your life, living your life your way, and you were running after things that didn't have anything to do with God. You were living your life just for you. And then this trouble came, and that trouble came, and this situation happened. And then all of a sudden, you knew, You needed God. That's God's providence working in your life. That's God proving to you that he was at work even while you were a sinner. To get you to see the kingdom. All those things led you to a point where God could reveal Christ to you. Because without God revealing Christ to you, you wouldn't be saved. You wouldn't be born again. Matthew chapter 17, I believe that's where it is. Matthew chapter 16, excuse me. Matthew 16, verse 17. Matthew 16, verse 17. We can start from the beginning, verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He said unto them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you Simon Bar-Jonah For flesh and blood Has not revealed this to you But my father who is in heaven Now why is Jesus saying Flesh and blood haven't revealed this to you Because the reality is Flesh and blood cannot reveal it to you It must be revealed by God It must be Why? Because we know in, in uh, Oh where am I at? Romans, Romans 8 uh, 1 Corinthians 2 If you go to 1 Corinthians 2 I'm gonna, I want to read that 1 Corinthians 2 Verse 14 1 Corinthians 2 Verse 14 This is a very important portion of scripture That we need to gather in on here 1 Corinthians 2 Verse 14 The natural person Does not accept the things of the spirit of god for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned the spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of christ now when he says we have the mind of christ Who's he talking about? People who are born again. Those who believe. Amen. Unbelievers do not have the mind of Christ. Unbelievers do not understand the things of God. They do not understand the things of the spirit. Why? Because spiritually, they're still dead. Ephesians chapter 2. But you, who were dead in your trespasses and sins, were made alive. I want you to hit, hit that word. Made alive. It didn't say you. Uh, one day you were dead in your trespasses and sin. And then all of a sudden on your own. You woke up. To the fact that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. No. It said you who were dead in your trespasses and sin. Were made alive in God. Amen. What are we talking about? Go with me to Galatians because this is going to be my, my uh, dagger. Okay? You want a dagger for an argument? Let's get this dagger. I got a dagger. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. I'm going to start right there. For I know you have no. Uh, excuse me. For I would have you know. Brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel, nor did I receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. I want you to note that word, because everyone that's born again ought to have a former life. Amen. Everyone who is a believer in Christ, who believes the gospel, Better have a former life. Amen. What does that mean? The thief can't keep stealing. The murderer can't keep murdering. Amen. I'm going to say it. The homosexual can't remain a homosexual. For if you have heard of my former life in Judaism. I persecuted the church of God violently. And tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Now here it is. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, who had called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me. In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately console with anybody, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. What does this have anything to do with what we're talking about? Because Paul was one way before his road to Damascus experience and he's telling you i was a jew above all jews i was ahead of many people in my own in, among my own age and i was zealous for my my the the traditions of my father but when god in the fullness of time decided to reveal his son to me now notice he didn't say oh god had this afterthought and then finally chose me he said he who set me apart Before I was born, this is the hard part because we've said this before and I'm going to keep saying it. There's two sides to this coin. There's the whosoever will side. That whosoever will is definitely on our end. We don't know who's going to be born again, right? We don't know. And we know that in the book of Revelation, there's going to be a, 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 a group of people that is so vast that they can't even be numbered by us, right? But God is not that way. There's not one person who ever gets born again that God goes, man, I didn't see that person coming. God never looks at somebody and goes, man, I really thought that they would, I really thought that they would choose me. I really, I just... God doesn't have those thoughts. Why? Because God declares the the end from the beginning. And God knows all things. There's nothing hidden from God. God does not go. God is not waiting on a bench. Just waiting to see who's going to choose him. And who's not going to choose him. No, God knows whose are his. About whosoever will Whosoever will is true Whosoever will come They will be saved That's true And we don't know who those whosoever wills are But God does God knows all things Does he not Either God is all knowing Or he ain't Amen The problem with this is Once you start dissecting and acting like acting like well God's just waiting for me to make a decision and he just really don't know which way I'm going to go that's not God whoever you're talking about that way that thing is not God because God does know who chooses him God does know who are his and who ain't his God's not confused by you God's not confused by people's so called indecision why because God knows the heart of every man amen God doesn't look at you and go, I just, you know, oh, man, I'm so glad Mike finally chose. I just did. Man, I was, I was so worried right there. I didn't know if it was going to happen. First of all, if that's really the God that you serve, he's neither all-powerful nor all-knowing. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible always knew who were his people and who weren't. Period. He's not confused. We need to stop putting that on God. Whosoever will is definitely my perspective, right? Because I don't know whosoever will. And you don't know whosoever will. And you don't know whosoever will. But God does. And God ain't confused. He counts the hairs on your head. And for those of you, it's maybe a shorter count than others. Amen? (laughs) And mine's getting shorter all the time. The reality of what he's telling Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, you're not going to get here on your own. And you're not going to be able to ascend to this knowledge. It's not just going to be something you can do on your own. You must be born again. There must be a happening in your heart Take that heart of stone out of you. Heart of stone will not receive from God. The unclean person will not get filled with spiritual things because he is dead and lifeless. This born again experience is exactly what's talked about in Ezekiel and I want you to notice that in Ezekiel he said and I will take out of them the heart of stone and put in them a heart of flesh and I will cause them to walk in my way The trouble is we've got so many people who think they're born again and then they, oh, well, I I can't do this and I can't do that. Or they just, their life doesn't change at all. And then I have to look at them and say, there's nowhere in the Bible where you see somebody who's absolutely, truly converted, born again, and their life doesn't change. It doesn't happen. He says, marvel not. Marvel not. Why did he say that? Well, first of all, because he could tell that Nicodemus was truly marveling over this, right? Nicodemus says, how can this happen? How can a man be born when he's already old? Because you're still thinking earthly things, Nicodemus. Got one more verse on this topic. We go to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Romans 8, 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen? The reality that this dirt suit and its fallen state and the sin that dwells in me causes me spiritually, before I know Christ, I am dead, trapped, bound in sin. I serve my father who is the devil before Christ. I serve my own sinful desires. And that doesn't automatically just change because I decide that it changes. It changes because God, in his infinite grace, Opens my eyes to my need for Christ. There's not one person on the face of the planet. Who ever 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 chose God before God chose them. It doesn't happen. It does not happen. Here we see it says the wind blows where it wishes. We have no control over the wind or the spirit. Jesus here, he says, I got a little note I want to read. If I can find it. I guess I got to be in John, right? This passage emphasizes the priority and sovereignty of God in the work of salvation. It does not exclude the reality or the necessity of human response in repentance and faith. But it shows that this response is the fruit of the Spirit's work, and not a means by which that we are regenerated. The reality is, faith does not come before God opens your eyes, because before you get your eyes open, you don't have any. It is. No, no no, no, sinner out there is walking with a measure of faith in Christ right now. They are absolutely enemies of God, hostile to God, and they don't understand God. That's what the scriptures we just read say. Those who are in the flesh can't please God. Those who are in the flesh can't understand the things of God. If that's the word of God and we have to take it that way, then we have to understand that those who are in Ephesians 2, dead in their trespasses and sin, aren't just walking around waiting to choose Christ. God has to do a work in them. God has to make them alive. The King James said he quickens you. right? Go to Ephesians 2. I'll make sure I'm right. Ephesians 2. But you who are dead in your trespasses and sin, has God quickened, made alive. This making alive is just like your first birth. You didn't have nothing to do with it. Amen? is that what it says? What does it say? You read chapter 2. Just start at verse 1. And you has he quickened. That's the exact King James language, okay? And that's very close to what the Greek says. You has he quickened. It didn't say you who have quickened yourself. It doesn't say you who made a decision to be quickened. Why? Because just like a dead corpse isn't going to choose anything, I'm not going to choose Christ without God's help. Amen. Jesus said the wind blows where it wishes. We have no control over where the wind wind blows or the spirit goes. The born of the spirit are those born of the spirit are moved upon by the will of God. The will of the spirit. The Holy Spirit is God and does not answer to us. Psalm 115.3 says our God sets in heaven and does whatsoever he pleases. Amen. Yeah. Ephesians 1 and 11 says that our God works all things to the counsel of his own will. He didn't come down and ask you. He didn't come down and ask Mary. He didn't come down and ask Noah. He didn't come down and ask Abraham. He came down and told them, this is what I'm doing. I'm choosing you. Matter of fact, Lee, he told Noah, I'm choosing you and the eight people of your house, and I totally reject everybody else. Not only do I reject them, but I'm going to kill every last living thing on the face of the planet, except for everything you bring into this ark. And if you don't think that's what's going on in the New Testament, because the same God in the New Testament. As the Old Testament. It's not some different God for the New Testament. He's the same God. Yahweh Elohim. His son Yahshua Hamashiach. They are the first and the last. The beginning and the end. The Holy Spirit is God. We don't get to dictate what he does. Oh Holy Spirit. Go make that one born again. Holy Spirit make that one born again. What you've noticed. If you've been in ministry any length of time. Is that the Holy Spirit moves on. Whoever he wills. And he saves whom he wills. A whole lot of people died that I wish would have, I, I, I wished would have prayed a prayer, wish would have made a, a confession, I wished would have lived their life for God, but they did not. And I know me. God chose me. Because I wasn't looking for him. And had it not been for his grace, I'd be splitting hell wide open too. Had it not been for the call that he put on my heart. Had it not been for his grace that opened my eyes. I spent a lot of years wondering, well, why ain't that person responding? Why ain't that person responding? Why ain't that person responding? And I know a lot of people go, well, they are responding. They're saying no. No, we live in a state of no. No. Okay, Before Christ, nobody has to willfully just say no. They're already saying no. They're already rejecting Christ. They're already living in absolute disobedience to God and rejecting him. By their life, by their, by their, by their nature, they are enemies of God and rejecting him. Nobody has to freely just do that all of a sudden. grace is when God opens the eyes of an undeserving sinner who sees their need for God and responds, yes. That's grace. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. I want to read this real quick. All things are empowered by one and the same spirit who appropriate to each individual as he wills. Now, this is talking about spiritual gifts, but this is everything with the Holy Spirit. He does what he wants. Why? Because he's God. He's not just your plaything. You don't just get to say, oh, Holy Spirit, do this. and Holy Spirit, do that. That's blasphemy. The Holy Spirit is God and Psalm 115 says God does whatsoever he pleases. The Holy Spirit convicts, leads us, teaches us, corrects us, convicts us of sin, empowers us, changes us from glory to glory, seals us unto the day of redemption. We have no more control over the Spirit of God than we do the wind. That's what Jesus is saying. You see the wind. You feel its power. You don't know where it's come from, where it's going. You can't control it. So it is with the Spirit of God. And here's another thing. If you believe what John 1, 12 through 13 says, that people are not born of their own will, of their own flesh, of their own desires, or of the will of man, but of the will of God, then you have to submit to the fact that God, when he moves on somebody, he does it when he wants to. When he wills to. And I know God would that everyone would come to repentance and none would. Right. He does, but there's going to be a vast chasm of people that end up in hell. Jesus said, Straight is the gate and narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. Straight, or broad is the way. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Many there be that go in that way. Amen? The reality is we can't stop God from doing whatever God wants to do. We can't make God do something that he is not going to do. I can't control the spirit of God. I can't control who gets saved and who doesn't get saved. What can I do then? I can tell you that Jesus Christ died on the old rugged cross. That whosoever believes in him should not be punished but will have eternal life. That's what I can do. I can tell you that. And anybody who believes will be saved. That's true. Amen. The gospel is not all these things that we turned it into. If you want to snapshot picture of the gospel it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that's where I'm going to close 1 Corinthians 15 what is the gospel what is the gospel starting at verse 1 now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you. Unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as first importance. what I also received that Christ died for our sins. In accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas. Then to the twelve, then it appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared unto me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it was I or they or so we all preach. And so you believed. What's the gospel? Jesus died. For our sins according to scripture was buried rose from the dead according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. Amen. This Jesus has to be revealed to you and your eyes have to be open. And I pray that today there's people watching on Facebook or are going to hear this podcast and their eyes are opened and their hearts are open. And they would believe and have faith in Christ. But without God, none of us would be saved. And I'm so tired of hearing on TV this testimony. If God saves me, why does our testimony sound like this? When I found Christ, almost every testimony you ever hear, that's what... That's what they say. When I found Christ, the problem is Christ ain't lost. You are. You weren't looking for him. He came looking for you. I have to have help. The problem is this. While I believe there are a great number of people who are born again in the church, I also fear that there's a whole lot of people who are trusting their own work and not the work of Christ, not the gospel of God, because the gospel is this, by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of your works. It's not of yourself, lest any man should boast. The problem is, if grace is even one-tenth of a millisecond of a percent you, then it ain't grace. By grace are you saved. And by grace are you sustained. And grace, according to Titus, teaches us to deny worldly lusts. And to live upright, godly, and holy lives in this present age. Grace doesn't just save you. Grace doesn't just keep you. Grace teaches you. Amen? Nicodemus' final question, he said, How can these things be? Jesus spent all of his time telling him, That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Nicodemus still sat there. Bewildered. Like many people today. They think they know how to get to God. But Christianity is not about you getting to God. It's about God getting to you. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we ask for your grace. Lord, we ask for your mercy. Lord, we pray for those who are in this room and those who are watching on Facebook. Lord, we pray for those who are going to listen to this later on on the podcast, God. And we pray that you would move on their hearts. Lord, we pray that you would open their eyes to see whether they are trusting in their self or they are truly trusting and putting their faith in Christ. Lord, let not one of us walk ignorantly or pridefully in our own desires, in our own works, in our own righteousness, or even in our own will. But help us, Lord, to see your will, to see your work, and to humble ourselves before the hand of an almighty God. Lord, we ask for your grace and your mercy, that your spirit would awaken and quicken and make alive those who would believe. Lord, we pray that the gospel would go forth and that whosoever would believe, let them come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.